I'm Susan Barrett. And I'm Todd Thomas. At Barrett Barrera Projects, we believe that art is a verb. It's the ongoing process of deconstructing and reconstructing our world. This season, we'll delve deep into the creative process of some of our most inspiring friends and collaborators to understand how they're navigating this pivotal moment and working to transform our existing systems, reimagine the status quo, and support each other across disciplines in order to create a more sustainable and equitable future for us all. Welcome to Art as a Verb, a Barrett Barrera project. In this episode, we welcome two guests, Masha Alohina of the legendary arts collective and Russian political activist group Pussy Riot, and Alexander Cheparuhin, the group's promoter and founder-director of Greenwave Music. We caught up with both of them on July 13th amid ongoing protests against Putin's recent constitutional amendment, which would allow him to remain in power until the year 2036. We discuss the parallels between Putin and Donald Trump, the destructiveness of their rhetoric, the solidarity Pussy Riot feels with the Black Lives Matter movement, and the unique and hard-hitting blend of art and activism that characterize their work. Barrett Barrera Projects was set to host a Pussy Riot Festival this past summer, but we were forced to postpone due to the outbreak of COVID-19. In the meantime, Masha, Alexander, we're thrilled to have you here on Art as a Verb. Thanks so much for being here. Let's start by asking, where in the world are you right now? I'm in Moscow. So I have a quite nice situation of a travel ban. I already had one for a year, and now I think I have another one. So <laughs> because of my participation in protest uh, rallies, protest demonstrations, and because of our actions, I have uh, very huge uh, fines around like $5,000. Until I pay it, I cannot travel. I mean, I will be stopped in the airport. I already had this type of fan in 2018 when we performed in Edinburgh Festival. I was stopped in the border in Moscow airport. I was stopped and I was told that I have this ban because of community service works, which I did not do that time because of the actions. So I escaped for the festival by, let's say, magic ways, <laughs> but these ways are not working anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, and we have really interesting and dark periods in our country because, as you probably heard, our constitution was changed mm. just two weeks ago, and now officially, legally, Putin can be president until 2030. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Let's hope our president is not listening. Exactly. And Alexander, are you in Moscow as well? No, I'm in different country. I'm in Montenegro, which is part of ex Yugoslavia. And actually, just a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago, Master still was in India. She was uh, kind of locked in India because she was there for the short time, her vacation. But then we had to continue the world tour with our Pussy Riot, Riot Days musical theater project, mm-hmm. but everything was canceled because of coronavirus. And I actually begged for Masa, come here to Montenegro because it's like safe here and, uh, you know, everything's okay. We, we just can uh, just stay here. But she decided in the last moment to catch a casual flight from India to Moscow because she really, really wanted to participate in uh, some uh, protest action against this anti-constitutional change of constitution. 
yeah, it sounds maybe peculiar, but it's anti-constitutional change of Russian constitution. And she made a really, really bright short video clip when she actually burned the new constitution. I was really, really shocked and uh, admired of whatever she did in Moscow. She came to Moscow exactly before the campaign to organize this all-Russia voting for changing the constitution. So she was there to act, and uh, I'm proud of her. That sounds fantastic. Is there a place that we can see that clip? Is there a place we can go online and view that? It's in all Pusherite social media and in my social media as well. I can send you link. Great. Good. Yes, we'd love to look at that. Masha, how did you get involved with Pussy Riot? I was an ecological activist before Pussy Riot. And when I joined Pussy Riot, that was also a very dark uh, period when Putin decided to be president uh, for the third time. And this particular time became a real nightmare for our country. Because of the war, which Putin started, because of the occupation of uh, Crimea, which he made, because of huge number of criminal cases against political activists and so on. Mm -hmm. So he decided to be president, and which riot was born this time for protest against this. And um, rehearsals of the songs and actions took place in the flat of my very best friend, Anastasia, and I was there as well, and we kind of knew each other because we were in one circle and everything. And I decided to join Pussy Riot for the excellent Putin piece, His Pants, which we performed in Red Square. Mm -hmm. And then the next action was in Cathedral of Christ the Savior, which was actually the most, I think, um, <laughs> known. <laughs> the most visible globally. Yes. So that's how it was. I was talking to Alexander before, and I think it's important, Alexander, before we talk about a next question, if you could kind of explain the evolution of Pussy Riot in terms of the rock group, the punk rock group, and then in terms of the artists who are the political activists. In order to explain this, uh, what's my point of view first, I should shortly tell you about how I was involved. I was environmental activist in Perestroika times in the 80s. And then I've done some music projects for environmental congresses and gatherings. And then step by step, I drifted into music and became uh, artistic director of several international music festivals. But at the same time, I was chairman of Environmental International Association. So when Pussy Riot made the action in Red Square in 2012, I was really impressed. And uh, this was my favorite action during this time of uh, very active protest. <laughs> and then I even translated the words of their songs. And I sent these words to people whom I knew, who were my musical colleagues, to famous people like uh, Peter Gabriel, Patti Smith and others. And then when they were imprisoned, mm -hmm. I met Peter Verzilov, who was ex-husband of Nadia and one of the key person behind the Pussy Riot. So he asked me to help to involve big public figures to support Pussy Riot. That's how I collected uh, video statements and letters from people like Peter Gabriel, Sting, uh, Paul McCartney, Patti Smith, Sex Pistols, and many, many others. And I've done several conferences of them. So then they still were a punk band for me. But when the Masha and Nadia served their two years 
in prison. And I brought uh, these letters of support from people like Paul McCarthy to their prisons, and I visited them in prisons. They were released uh, by amnesty, so we met again already, not in the room for meetings in prisons, but in uh, free world, and started to travel together sometimes. And then step by step, we realized that Masha and Nadia, they have different creative abilities and different creative tastes. So uh, Nadia started to do some songs, and mostly she works in America now. And we with Masha, we started a project called uh, Riot Days, based on her wonderful book, which I also helped her to publish all over the world. And then we produced together the Riot Days kind of multimedia and the multi-genre show, which combines her spoken word, video, action, and songs as well. Mostly like all these legendary first songs of Pussy Riot, of the first period. And we consider this not only as, a, let's say, uh, memoirs of Masha, but as a kind of our joint punk manifesto. That's how Pussy Riot developed from uh, direct action punk band to multi-level artistic collective, uh, which makes actions. For instance, you remember the action in uh, the final match of uh, Croatia and France in football World Cup. You would call it soccer World Cup <laughs> two years ago when Peter Verzilov and, and several girls they went to the football field as a protest against police violence. You know, it was a special action in the very final game. So actions, Marshall does a lot of actions. Then we have uh, this very theatrical musical, and we've got several international awards for this, uh, including Harold Angel Award in Edinburgh Festival and Total Theatre Award for Best Innovative Theatre of 2012 in all Edinburgh festivals. Two several music projects which are rather far from initial punk form, which Nadia is doing, and uh, uh, sometimes we had some other people involved who are good musicians. So it's really kind of multi-genre artistic protest art collective right now. Nice. I'm curious, what's the kind of percentage of support of what you do there in your country? Are more people on board with the way that you feel? Or, you know, what's the sort of majority feeling there? And the second part is, what do you make of what's happening in the States right now with our administration and fake news and the uprising in the Black Lives Matter movement, all of that stuff kind of converging? Well, in Moscow, I think we are on board, <laughs> actually, with everything happening. I think the main point of our protest is a protest against Vladimir Putin and his regime, which is real criminal regime. We have another number of criminal cases appeared just two weeks ago after this constitutional change. Mm -hmm. One is against one journalist, uh, another against one politician, and it's actually endless chain of criminal cases, which is not for half an hour uh, <laughs> talk. Right. We have a lot of them. Right. I should mention Media Zona, a journalistic project which we started together with Nadia and Peter in 2014, just after our release from prison. It became one of the most popular and quotated media in Russian internet. It's uh, first course journalism in Russia and I'm really proud that almost all the money which we received in 2014 2015 all of it we put to Media Zona and now 
it really helps people to cover the situation with prison violence and police violence and political court trials. It's really important. Mm-hmm. And about what's happening now in states, of course, all of us who are outside of United States, we can analyze the situation and see the situation only from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the news, and from the messages of our friends. Right. But I should say, our first song in English, our song I Can Breathe, is 100% non-profit song in a collaboration with several artists like Richard Hell and Nick Zinner, whom we asked in one evening, maybe they want to do the statement together with us. That was just after Eric Gardner's death, mm-hmm. uh, murder. And uh, we made it in two days in one studio, almost without sleep, without breaks. And when we came back, we made um, a huge number of <laughs> Russian-specific problems, like canceling venues and so on, a video clip. And that was our first English song. And for me personally, it was really, really important because I just could not forget the text, which I transcription of last words of Eric Gardner, which I read in some news when mm-hmm. I just, it was in my head and I couldn't do anything to forget it. So that's why we decided to make this song. Mm. I read some news, of course, I seen this crazy statement of Donald Trump about all the anti-fascists, the terrorists, etc. Right. And what I should say, I heard his speech on Independence Day just recently, mm-hmm. and his rhetoric starts to be very similar to Putin's rhetoric. He starts to use uh, all this winning in the Second World War as the main point of great America and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, main point of Vladimir Putin now is winning in the Second World War. Military mm. parade about that and all the news about that and all the enemies whom he uh, finds. It's actually all the Western world, uh, they call fascists. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you will have the same thing in your country, that will be really strange and um, not good. Yeah. Could I add something? I'm exactly twice older than Marsha. And uh, I first came to America in the 80s during this uh, Gorbachev's perestroika time. And uh, I've done uh, uh, a bigger symposium and music uh, fair and like, you know, big gathering of people together with the lady John Denver, famous American uh, country singer. Yes. At this time, America was a real symbol of freedom for us. And it looked like free country. Right. And I would say that different presidents of America, whether we like them or we don't like them, but at least in their speeches, they always tried to unite people of America. They always tried to present themselves as leaders of all Americans, like leaders of all American society, like a uniting force, that uniting personalities. And probably the first time when we see the person who is, uh, you know, making people enemies and trying to present some people as enemies of the country is the current president, uh, Donald Trump. And this is uh, really, really unusual for America as we imagine America. And... uh, the level of, let's say, hatred, which we see in the Internet, mm-hmm. the hatred between different groups of Americans, the hatred between, let's say, ultra-conservative people and ultra-liberal people, uh, like uh, right and left people, 
became so unusual for America that it really scares us because we, we really hate whatever is happening in Russia. I would say that within my 62 years of life, I've never felt such a disgusting feelings of uh, lie, violence, of uh, power of big money, power of uh, combination of big money and violence as now. But at the same time, America cannot serve anymore as, let's say, a symbol of freedom. And it's, this is like a very worrying thing for us. It's a worrying thing for us as well, Alexander. Also shows that the topics of Pussy Riot's songs and Pussy Riot's actions are in a way universal. They're not only kind of pure Russian topics. And in a right. way they're universal. And we see how unpersonality can change the whole climate in the country. And since we spent a lot of time in states, altogether maybe several years, if we kind of put together all periods of time we spend in America. And that's why we cannot be external observers of what's happening in America. Uh, I'm uh, really worrying. Uh, it uh, really touches my heart. So I consider America as my second motherland. My two daughters have been born in America. Mm-hmm. That's why I cannot just observe it without passion. I observe it with some sorrow and a uh, real kind of feeling of trouble. Right. That's why I was curious earlier when asking about the percentage of people that, you know, it's divided here and there's a real majority that thinks one thing and a, another majority that has put into action an administration. I'm just curious what that situation is like in your country. Is there such a big divide of people that believe one way versus the people that believe another way that are like you, that are being active and protesting and questioning these regimes and situations? No, in Russia, it's another situation. We don't have protests like Black Lives Matter, but I think it should be in the future because it cannot be like this. It cannot be like this. It's just it will happen one day and it will be, I think, really strong and probably also violent. Just two months ago, one guy, he was shot for the death by Russian police in one Siberian rural city. And there were no people on the street, you know. And we have like hundreds, maybe thousands cases like this. And now people just collecting them and posting them. And one day they will go to the street. I know because it shouldn't be other way. He was shot just for nothing. They thought that he stole something from the shop for his flat, but he didn't. He paid. He had a check in his pocket, but they shoot him. Do you think that COVID is keeping people inside? Do you think that's one of the things keeping people from protesting? Um, at one point, yes. Mm-hmm. But we all have internet. We're not China. We're watching your protests and COVID in the United States is the same COVID as in Russia. Right. So it should not be you know, the big excuse. I think it's just a question of time. Mm-hmm. And all of us who are protesting on the streets and have these arrests and fines, we all understand that one day it will be millions of people on the streets. Do you see people take any type of inspiration from the movements or protests that are going on here? The people that are watching from there, is there anything that's informational or motivational for them? Mm, people discuss this a lot, but for majority of the people, honestly, it looks like something which is really far away now. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
but we have huge level of police violence. Right. In this constitutional changing vote, some of our journalists were observers for so-called elections. And one policeman, he broke the arm of one of our journalists, just did it for nothing. <sighs> journalists was just observe the elections and nothing else. Standing with a piece of uh, paper and a pen, and he broke his arm. And all the propaganda, because, you know, we have a different thing. We have real propaganda. All the media belong to administration mm-hmm. of the president and strictly controlled by the administration of the president. And all these media work against us. They call us enemies of the people, enemies of the state, United States spies, and so on. Masha, you were sentenced to serve time in prison for your protesting. What was your experience as a political prisoner? Uh, interesting experience. Uh, we have a very different prison system from yours. Also mm-hmm. terrible. It's post-Gulag system. Mm-hmm. It's a labor camp where prisoners work six days a week, 14 hours per day, with a salary of two, three dollars per month. It's no medicine, no normal food, no independent human rights defenders who can go in and observe the situation because it's legal slavery. Before media zona, before we start media zona, no media covered all these, you know, things. So we start to fight for our rights inside the prison, inside penal colony. We have penal colonies. And that was very first time, by the way, how I met Sasha, because uh, Sasha, Alexander, uh, together with Peter, as human rights defenders, came to visit me during my hunger strike. And uh, that was really, for me, that was so cool and amazing, because we started to, you know, talk about music bands and about <laughs> what kind of concert we can do inside this penal colony. And... During these hours, I did not think about pizza and all these, you know, things which you start to think about in the hunger strike because you always want to eat. <laughs> so that was really helpful. And before this hunger strike, I also had huge fights with prison administration. We started a court, a court on four cases, and we won three of these four cases. And that's how actually all this small revolution inside the prison started because they start to fire the prison guards who violated our rights. They start to make the workers' day like close to eight hours, not 14. Uh, they start to reconstruct the buildings where we were living. So small things, but it's extremely important when you're inside. Right. Yeah, and all the support which we received from the activists and from the people who were in this city who came from Moscow to support me and all the people who were covered the situation outside in the world, that was the only hope which I had. Mm. And actually the book which I wrote and concert uh, which we made uh, together with Zeit is all about the fight for the freedom in the conditions where the state wants to take out your freedom. And what is the name of that book, Masha? Riot Day. We will include that link in our show notes. 
What do you think that Americans, should we be paying more attention to what's happening politically? What do you recommend? What do you sort of see for us? I recommend you very, very strong. I recommend you to watch what is happening in our country because it's very short way from freedom to unfreedom. Right. And you can look to our example of what can happen, you know, if you're not awareness, if you mark yourself like I'm out of politics and so on and so on. If you out of politics, so your opinions will take politics and it will be probably dictatorship. So just look <laughs> what is happening in our country. Right. Take a note. Nobody believes, nobody believes that this constitutional change is possible. Nobody believes. Right. But we have this verification of um, zero term of uh, presidential term. Mm-hmm. It's no two terms now. It's like endless. Yeah. Right. And uh, besides that, we have a lot of bad things also. They start very brutal propaganda against LGBT people. Mm-hmm. They wrote in the constitution that the marriage is a unite of man and woman, mm. which was like that before. We did not have gay marriage in our country at all. But mm-hmm. as writing this, they start to make very, very bad promotion videos showing gay people like real disaster. Like it's really terrible videos. And it's made by government on our taxes. And right. this is real terrible. We have violence. We have teenager suicide. We have, you know, if you're gay in Russia, you can be killed like very easily. Mm. And uh, it's not everything. We This uh, constitutional change, like a huge deal. Nobody believed that it's possible, mm-hmm. especially during pandemia. But several days and it's signed. <sighs> One of Pussy Riot's main goals has been advocating for at-risk women. Can you speak on the state of feminism in Russia? How does feminism intersect with your advocacy around prisoners' rights? And what does the political climate feel like in Russia right now, particularly regarding, you know, just the global pandemic? It's really a terrible situation with feminism, and it became worse and worse because of the official state politics. So we are the only country in Europe who doesn't have a law against domestic violence. Mm. And all the discussion, which was quite bright and strong last year, was, let's say, oppressed by the state, by the ultra-conservative people inside state politics and outside state politics who said, like, we don't need this. They said the main statement was that the law against domestic violence is the law against family. Mm. Can you imagine? Oh, boy. And... That was, yes, on the all internet resources, billboards, and so on. Another thing is a criminal case, very important criminal case against one young activist. Her name is Julia Svetkova. She's facing from two to six years of prison. Now her investigation is going. She didn't receive a prison term, but she will. Mm. They open a criminal case because of the drawing in her Facebook. Oh. She draw six pictures for the body positive, mm-hmm. you know, body positive pictures. Like all alive women has hair on the legs. 
all alive women have menstruation. And six pictures like this is criminal case on very simple, very obvious, very popular, I believe, like everywhere pictures. They call it pornography. Mm. And she was just writing that, you know, talking about women's body is not a shame. Talk about women's sexuality is not a shame. She didn't post no photos, like no videos, nothing. Just drawings, like very childish. And uh, around this criminal case, there is huge discussion because a feminist community and me and Nadia also, we all start to post and to do actions, street actions for Yulia. And a discussion, of course, appeared. And it's really terrible. Our society is totally not educated because educational system also belongs to the government, which is mm-hmm. really awful. Oh, boy. So from two to six years of prison for six pictures. Oh. So are you in danger by being in Russia right now? In danger? Yes. Well... I don't think about that and I think and I believe that it's our country and we should do everything what we can for fight for this because if we all will leave the country, it will be their country and I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And also, when I was in prison, uh, so many people start to go to the street and support us and a lot of them were arrested and beaten and shamed by the state and by some parts of society. And they continued, they continued and they were sent with us. So now it's our turn to stand with political prisoners. Yeah, that's a really important thing to be doing. And, and it's really inspirational for us here as well. What's next, Alexander and Masha, for you and Pussy Riot? What's in the immediate future and down the road? First of all, Unfortunately, all our life activity, which was uh, our main activity and uh, which was the only source of making a living for us, stopped after this coronavirus pandemic attack. So we had to continue mm-hmm. starting from March everywhere, starting from Poland, uh, Holland, uh, Germany, uh, United Kingdom, Hopefully, St. Louis, where uh, Susan actually invited us and we already agreed that we will do a kind of festival in St. Louis. But everything has been canceled, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are no signs that we can do our live project because European restrictions, they do not allow any actions, any shows like 50 people or more than like one or two people on stage. So we have to find some other ways of creative uh, work. And we already have done some promising rehearsals over Zoom when uh, people have been in four different countries, Russia, India, uh, Montenegro and Belarus. Now Masha is in Russia as well. So I think we should explore new opportunities, though, of course, it's a very new world for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are accustomed to be face-to-face with our audience. At the same time, Pussy Riot as a collective, they had this experience of communicating with the world, mostly through videos, because the early results of their creativity were videos of their protest actions filmed in Red Square, filmed in like 
roof of uh, a bus, mm-hmm. a trolley bus, filmed in the metro station, filmed in the cathedral. So probably at this very moment, Pussy Riot should somehow creatively should come back to this kind of video online form of creativity. And we are looking for the ways to do it. And at the same time, I know that Masha and her colleagues, they are really active in human rights activity. And it's very, very important part of our activity. We contributed a lot of uh, money from our merchandise sales to political prisoners, like really thousands of dollars we contributed directly to political prisoners, their families, their lawyers. Mm -hmm. And Masha and her friends and colleagues, they are still doing this and still doing protest actions. So I think all these aspects of Pussy Riot's activity, uh, which is actions, which is like media activity and uh, creative activity with the ever-changing form remains equally important. Yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting to watch as you emerge from this and see how that work is transmitted. And how to create a new forum, really, a new platform. That's been a theme with all of the people that we've spoken with so far, really, is kind of reimagining how we make things and how we transmit things now that the physical aspect is very challenging. So look forward to seeing how you all do that. This has been amazingly inspirational and um, humbling. Yes, for sure. Thank you very much. And I want to thank you both for taking the time to do this. I know this has been a little bit of a challenge to come from Montenegro. I come from Russia, two different time zones in the U.S., but this is the new world, right? You know, this is what we're going to have to do. And this is how we do come together. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Art as a Verb, a Barrett Barrera project. If you like what you just heard, please be sure to rate, review, and share this episode on social media, via email, or by any other means. For more information on Barrett Barrera projects and to learn about upcoming projects and exhibitions, visit BarrettBarrera.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-A-R-R-E-R-A.com. Keep up with our podcast by subscribing for free in your favorite podcast app. Just search Art is a Verb. The Art is a Verb podcast is produced by Olu and Company and is edited by Jag and Detroit Podcasts. The music in this show is H-A-M by Eloise and the Savoie Fair.